Welcome, everyone, to a special episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter, and here for an emergency episode because you know what? Today is the two-year anniversary. I'm taping this on the two-year anniversary of Eric Flowers pushing me. And guess what? Guess what? This also happens to be the day that Eric Flowers was waived by the Giants. That's right. Right on the two-year anniversary. How about that? Pretty ironic, right? Yeah, seriously. I mean, go look at freezing cold takes. They'll tell you. I'm the same guy that once wrote that Eric Flowers was a home run pick for the New York Giants. Yes, that Eric Flowers. Number nine overall. I wrote that he was a home run pick. He later pushed me. Two years to the day he pushes me, he's cut. So I'm here to tell you the full story because I've never done it before. So on the two-year anniversary of that pushing incident, I, because I promised all of you, I said to you, I said, yes, I'm going to tell the story. Everyone asked me, tell the story. Tell the flowers story. What, what happened with flowers? Why did he push you? And I've never really answered. I've never answered it publicly in full. So that's what this episode is for. The Giants lost on Sunday to the Carolina Panthers. Odell Beckham made some controversial comments. Little Wayne was involved. And they play the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday. All right, we finished up with that. Now we're going to go to the Eric Flowers story because this is the Eric Flowers episode. So we're going back to 2016. It's week five. And this is actually the fifth game of Ben McAdoo's tenure as head coach. And... The Giants have a miserable game. It's a Sunday night in Green Bay, and they they, they end up being close. The final score was 23-16, but the game wasn't really that close. Okay, They scored a late touchdown to make it 23-16. Flowers had a disastrous game, let up something like two sacks, two or three sacks, and got called for a holding penalty and really struggled. Like with Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, I believe, were running around him, and it was, uh, it was there for everybody to see on Sunday night football. So after the game, it this is when... The situation unfolded. Now let me explain it to you. Green Bay, very old stadium, locker room, very tight. Two parts of the locker room there are in Green Bay. There's an offensive side and a defensive side. So everyone's on the offensive side. Okay, and Odell Beckham's talking. So there's cameras and everyone's crowded around Beckham. You know, a crowd of like 30, 40, 50 deep of media members. TV, uh, radio, print online, everybody. And so the Odell part of it ends. So pretty much the entire locker room then goes, or at least media members in the locker room, go to the other side, go to the defensive side. Okay? But I see behind me Eric Flowers is talking. And I'm thinking to myself, eh, you know, he played pretty poorly. Maybe he's just going to say something like, you know, I was terrible, uh, I'm embarrassed, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, let me go monitor that interview session. There's two people there. Okay. Some guy, I don't know. I think he had, if I remember right, he had like longish hair, maybe some freelancer from Milwaukee or Green Bay or somewhere in Wisconsin area. Okay. And Dan Duggan, who at the time is working for NJ Advanced Media. Actually, he took my job when I went to ESPN. So I'm at ESPN now. This is my fifth game covering the Giants. And let me say this. My goal at ESPN, especially when I was on TV early, because I'm trying to get used to TV, right? And one of the first things I'm doing is I'm talking about domestic violence and Josh Brown and this and that. And I'm nervous going on TV. 
So the only thing I'm thinking at that point is don't say anything to get me fired or land me on deadspin. That's my goal early in my ESPN tenure, right? With a microphone in front of your face all the time, you just don't want to say the wrong thing. Basically, you're, you're, especially when you're talking about such sensitive subjects, right? So my goal is to not get on deadspin and don't get fired. And five games into my tenure, this Eric Flowers incident, guess what? Lands me on deadspin. So Dan Duggan, who is at NJ Advanced Media, and some other guy who I have no idea who he is, are asking questions to Eric Flowers. And it's a normal interview, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, I played poorly. I got I to gotta do better. And he's all calm and, you know, really nothing, like nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, it actually was kind of surprising that Eric Flowers had played such a poor game, had such a bad day. And he already, you know, he wasn't great his rookie year. He wasn't terrible. I mean, he 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 was he looked like, hey, he was a rookie who probably had promise and could grow into something more. But he gets into a really rough start to the next year. And this is week five. And this is on display for everybody. Terrible. Terrible performance. So they're asking me questions, and it's all normal. So I go over there, and I'm not even like, really in the little semicircle that these two guys have made talking to Flowers. I'm on the outskirts, probably a good six feet away from him or so, maybe 10 feet, just sort of monitoring the situation, listening to what he's saying. Don't even have a recorder out, camera, nothing, microphone, nothing. Just standing there. And in the middle of somebody asking him a question, Flowers turns and says, hey, Get out of my face, man. Don't come over here. And I'm at this point kind of taken aback. Like, I don't really know what's going on. We've never really had a confrontation before. Let me, let me just say this about Eric Flowers. He's not a very talkative person. He's a little socially awkward in general. It seems like that with everybody. He does not, he's never really conversed with the media. He's not an outspoken person. You don't see him, uh, even talking to that many People in the locker room in general. So to, to me, he seems socially awkward. So we, we don't, you know, we've never had a confrontation. This guy's all of a sudden turns, look, looking at me and says, Hey man, get out of my face. Don't come over here. So I didn't say anything. I just stood there kind of frozen. And he's like, you hear me? And I could tell at this point, he moved a little bit closer to me at that point. He closed the gap. Maybe let's say it was 10 feet. Now it's only five. So I'm just like, hey, I'm just trying to do my job. And he says, "Get o- go over there. And he points, and I'm like, yo, I'm just trying to do my job over here. So all of a sudden he goes, get the F out of my face, bro. And I say again, I'm just trying to do my job. And, he, and as, as he's saying this now, he's moving over to me. He's like, go over there, man. And then that's when he puts his hand, like grabs my shirt and my chest, and like, Moves me back a little bit. Now, it was a shove, but let's just be honest. Eric Flowers is 6'6", 320, 330. If he, like, did a two full two-hand shove, I would have been through the wall that was probably about five feet behind me, right? And actually, I see at this time Mark Ross, who is then the vice president of player evaluation. He's right behind me while this is happening, and he's sitting there... T- Looks like he's texting or, or emailing or doing something. He doesn't even flinch. And me, I'm like, and I'm like, whoa, you know, I, I'm just, this thing happened so quickly. I mean, this whole episode took about 
six seconds. All right, six to ten seconds. And he put his hand on my shirt, like right, you know, sort of grabbing your shirt, if you can imagine. I'm doing it right now to myself, like right near your pec. You know, if somebody does that and sort of moves you back with that one hand, grabbing like sort of uh, a, a bunched, a bunch of your shirt right around that pec area and moves me back over. And so it happened so quickly, I was just stunned. I didn't know what happened. Afterwards, when you hear the tape, it sounds like this, you know, get the F out of my face, bro. I'm, and it's me saying, I'm just trying to do my job. He's like, go over there, man. And over, all you hear is, whoa, ho, hey, man, bro, hey, hey, whoa, whoa. And, and that's me. Just that was my reaction at the time. It's like, I had no idea what the heck was going on. So then it stops right there, right? And Flowers goes back and that, and I move out of the way and I, I go back to the other side and I tell the Giants, hey, yo, you better go make sure. You, there's nobody on that side of the locker room at the time. Everyone's on the defensive side. So I walk over to the other side and I tell the PR person, hey, you got better go make sure you guys aren't putting their hands on me. And he's like, what happened? What are you talking about? And I told him real quick, you know, Eric Flowers just went and pushed me. He like ran to the other side of the locker room. But nobody else was there. And that's why there was a copy of it. I don't even think I still have it. Maybe Dan Duggan still has it. But there was a copy of the audio of it. And that, but Mike Garofolo, who works for the NFL Network, at the time, he was like, he, he texted me the next morning and he's like, how is there no video of this? This is BS. And he's right. Total BS. The, the idea that in a locker room, right after a game, there was no camera to catch it is just, it's fascinating. It's actually freakish. Like it, it was such an unbelievable like chain of events that led to everybody being on the other side and nobody really seeing this except for the two people that were talking to Flowers. It almost doesn't even it, it defies logic of what happens in a locker room after a game. I mean, there's so many people in such a tight space. The fact that there was nobody else around is almost freakish. But that's what happened. So there's audio of it, but no video. Strange, right? I know. Just ironic, too, that this is the guy that I said was a home run when the Giants drafted him. Now, let me say this, okay? I never had any previous incident with Eric Flowers. I didn't expect that to happen. I hadn't even been that critical of him at that point because his rookie year... You know, he was, he, he did okay. He wasn't bad for a rookie. He was pretty much what you expect. He had his struggles. He looked like, okay, he can grow into a decent player at that time. But apparently, I mean, this is what I heard through the grapevine. And I never really, this is the strange part. I never really got an explanation of why he was so mad or why he took that out on me or didn't like me or was it anything particular, specific or particular. I even asked him, I mean, I'll get to that later. I even asked him, you know, does he want to talk about what he was mad at, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, nah, no, I'm good. I'm good. And that was the whole conversation kind of between me and him. But that was, uh, that was, there's other parts of the story. We'll get to that in a minute. So what I heard, what I did hear though, is that he was upset at, at, in 2015. 15, his rookie year, I was doing some of these videos with Chris Sneath, former Giants offensive lineman, and uh, 
he, we were we were sort of reviewing. I think one of them we reviewed flowers, and we talked about some good and some bad that that he was doing, and and apparently that's what he took offense to. That's what someone told me. Don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but there's no other. There's nothing else where I'm like uh, you could say, oh, that's it. But maybe that was it. Maybe he just didn't like my face. Maybe I'm ugly. Maybe he just didn't like the way I carried myself. Who knows? These are one of these things. Probably never know. But so that happens. The incident happens. He pushes me. Whoa, hey, bro. Hey, 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 go, whoa. <laughs> That's what I sound like at the time. We we finish up in the locker room. I say something real quick to the Giants PR. I said, I said well, we'll deal with it on Monday, whatever, when we get back. This is Sunday night. It's probably after midnight at this point. We go upstairs. And uh, I'm just hoping that, okay, this will kind of go away and die. And uh, about 20 minutes later, Dan Duggan, who's working at NJ.com and NJ Advanced Media, comes over and he goes, hey, yo, you know we're going to report that, right? Like, we have to. He, he, the reporter just uh, got accosted by a, a player in the locker room. And I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. He's like, yeah, you have any comment on it? I'm like, nah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm good, thanks. Uh, so immediately I have to go call my boss at the time, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I know it's kind of late. It's like one in the morning, but I just think you should know this. Uh, well, here's what happened, right? So, okay, I go back to the hotel. I'm staying, I believe, in Appleton. And let me tell you, the one thing I remember about this is that Appleton. That was one of the crappiest hotels I've ever stayed in in my life. Okay. I felt like I, I could be sleeping in bed bugs or lice or something. I remember I, I was not, I thought this was, this was a bad hotel. I even, when I remember when I went in there and checked in, there was a homeless guy who was charging his cell phone in the lobby. And by lobby, I mean like basically a rectangle of like, you know, 20 by 12 or something. I mean, I'm talking about a small little space. Homeless guy on a, with a bike and a cell phone. And I know that sounds weird. Why does a homeless guy have a cell phone? But apparently that is that happens. Yeah. So I asked the person at the desk later. I was like, "Who is the guy in there just charging his cell phone? You know, with his bike?" And she said he's one of the local guys who kind of comes in. They let him come in and charge his phone. So not the greatest hotel, or not the, the completely went off the rails here. By the way, nothing to do with the story. But so I'm in this hotel. I'm sleeping. I go to sleep at about two in the morning, three, probably three in the morning. Okay. And I have to drive to Chicago the next day because for some reason I booked my flight really late and the Green Bay is a pain in the butt to get to, right? Let me just tell you. It's not, it's the smallest city pretty much in the NFL, right? Green Bay, Buffalo, those, those Jacksonville, those are some of the smaller cities that exist. So it's hard, it's harder to fly to Green Bay. So I actually booked a flight out of Chicago, and I drove there and back. So I have to drive to Chicago the next day. And I'm sleeping. It's probably about 6 in the morning. And apparently, they started talking about flowers pushing me. Uh, and then it was Mike and Mike, right? So let's say the 7 o'clock hour on the East Coast was 6 in the morning in the Midwest. So I'm sleeping. I go to sleep at 3. So I only have about three hours sleep now, and my phone is sitting there on the night table next to my bed. And at about six in the morning, they guess they start talking about it on Mike and Mike, 
And all of a sudden, I hear my phone like every minute. You know, I probably wake up at like seven o'clock Midwest time, and I have like 60, 70 text messages, four missed, four to five missed phone calls. Like, and I'm talking like high up ESPN people calling me. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? I, I, oh no, this blew up. This blew up. So at the time we decided the best thing to do is to be quiet about it. I didn't want to try. I didn't really didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Even at the time, I was something I thought that could be handled behind the scenes. Like I would take care of it with the Giants, you know, behind the scenes. It wasn't something that I wanted to be known for. I didn't want to be on Deadspin, right? That was my goal. That was one of my major goals in this job. By putting this out there and having this out there, which we didn't end up putting it out there. It was going to get out there no matter what. So by this getting out there meant that I was going to end up being on Deadspin. And that's exactly what happened. Everybody picks it up. All these radio stations are calling me. Everybody from ESPN is calling me. I actually had a, my uncle text me. He's like, because I guess he heard about it. He's like, are you okay? Because like, the way you sounded is like reporter attack. You know, you see headlines and it's reporter attacked by uh, Giants massive tackle. And, uh, you know, you could obviously if Eric Flowers really came at me and wanted to put me through the wall or knock me, not, you know, knock half my teeth out, he probably could. I mean, massive human being. Clearly strong. I know maybe not a great football player, but definitely somebody who could, you know, break my face into about 7,000 pieces. So my uncle's like, are you okay? And then I get a bunch of other people like, are you okay physically? Are you hurt? And I'm like, oh, no. So quickly I text my mom. And I'm like, if you hear anything, and my wife. And I'm like, uh, I just want you guys to know that uh, I'm okay. Don't worry. Physically, I'm I'm fine. There's nothing. If, if anyone asks you at work or whatever, I'm fine. Like, don't get worried or concerned. So... I turned down all these interviews. Everybody wants to talk about it and figure, let's just try and make it as minimal damage as possible. Not get it out there, right? So I'm going, I'm driving, I'm driving to Chicago and I'm talking to all the ESPN higher ups. They're all asking me how I'm doing and making sure that we're handling the situation properly and what we have to do and, uh, you know, who we need to talk to. And we're covering all our bases, right? And, uh, fine. I get to the airport. Everything's fine. I get to the airport, I'm walking, I'm actually eating at Chili's in the Chicago O'Hare airport. I remember this. And my phone rings, and it says, Giants PR. And I'm like, okay, uh, let me take this call, we'll take care of it. We'll talk, I'm sure they want to talk about it, just to see what happened, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I pick up, it's loud, I'm in the middle of the airport, I'm in the Chili's, I'm eating. Uh, hey, Jordan, um... This is Giants PR, blah, blah, blah. Eric Flowers is here. He wants to talk to you. Okay. So I can barely hear, but Eric Flowers gets on the phone, and I certainly don't know if he was reading anything, but it sure sounded, the way it was coming off and the way he sounded, it sure as heck sounded like he was reading something. It was, hi, Jordan, this is Eric. I'm sorry for what happened. That does not represent who I am. Da 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 da, you know, like 
that that is not who I am as a person. I I'm sorry that this happened. I we want to move on from this incident. Da 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 da. You know, it, it was very robotic, and that maybe that's just the way he talks. But in my head, all I kept thinking was like, he's just sitting there reading a statement because that's that's what it sounded like. And uh, we had a little quick conversation, probably lasted about five minutes. I just said, look, I don't care if you're mad at me. Uh, I don't care if you want to yell at me. That That's fine. You know, like that's part of this business. That kind of stuff happens. You just can't touch me. You can't put your hands on me. I'm not going to put my hands on you. And that's just sort of, you know, how we could – that's how the relationship needs to work, right? This, the, the media player relationship. And uh, so, okay, that moves on. But – I'm telling you, if you heard this phone call, it sounded like, Hi, Jordan. This is Eric. I just wanted to say that I'm sorry for what happened. That does not represent who I am or the kind of person that I am. (laughs) And, you know, it was an apology. I accepted it, and we moved on. I went up to him in the locker room. I said to him, I said, hey, you know, you want to talk to me about what you're mad at? Because at this point, after all this, I still don't know why he was so mad at me. Was it because he just played so poorly that day? Was it just that bad a game for him? Did things just boil over in his head and I was the person he took it out on him? Did he did he have a specific problem with me? Still don't know. Still don't know at this point. And you know what? Still, still don't know to this day. So I say, you know, hey, are you going to shake his hand? We're good, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you want to talk about what went wrong? And he's like, no, nah, I'm good, man. And that was like the end of our, our conversation. And someone actually told me, he's like, yo, when these kind of things happen, because this is, these kind of, this isn't the first time something like this happened, right? Uh, there's people who've been put in lockers by players or attacked in the middle of locker rooms. I know there was an incident with the Dolphins years ago, uh, where a reporter was put in like a laundry basket or something in the middle, something like that. The, uh, Steve Serby of the New York Post at one point, it is a story was put into a, a, a shoved into a locker, something along those lines. So this certainly isn't a, a a completely new thing, something that's never happened before. So somebody said to me, "Hey, you know, sometimes you can repair these relationships, and those could become your best sources. You know, that that the, that you guys can move on from that and and learn more about that person, and you guys can come to really understand each other and how both sides work and everything." So I'm like, "Oh, okay." Maybe that can happen here with me and Eric Flowers. So I was trying to make good with it. You know, we tried to make small talk or blah, blah, blah. That, that next time I saw him in the locker room and he just didn't go anywhere. Nowhere. Nothing. Like, it was like, no, I'm good, man. And I was like, uh, okay, you sure? I mean, it might be good for us to talk it out and, and, you know, put it on the table. And I mean, I'm, I'm willing to listen to, you know, your complaints. I mean, if I'm wrong about things, I'll, I'll apologize. If I write something about you and I'm, it ends up being wrong. I mean, and you come and tell me and you say, look, that wasn't correct. I mean, I, I'll, I would apologize. I would do what I thought was necessary if it deserved a correction or whatever. But no, that didn't happen in this case. That wasn't going to happen. So the next thing is a few days later, NFL security comes. Right. And this is just like a strange situation there. I mean, NFL security is coming to the Giants facility. It's some guy 
who like takes us upstairs, sits us down in like a conference room, me and Dan Duggan doing it together. I believe Dan had the audio tape at the time, maybe with him. And the guy's like asking us like all these questions, like what happened, this and that. He's not even a full time NFL employee. He's some uh, private investigator type guy. I don't know who's contracted at times for the NFL to help out with stuff. It doesn't seem all that, you know, overly serious or professional, to be quite honest with you. And he basically just asked us que- like questions that he could have seen by reading, reading Dan Duggan's story. And we basically told him, you, you know, everything that happened is there exactly as he wrote it. It's verbatim, right? I mean, he wrote it. He All he did was write out the conversation, or that wasn't really a conversation, confrontation, word for word verbatim. I mean, like... There was nothing to it. There was no, like, provoking. There was no uh, words beforehand or confrontation beforehand. It was just out of the blue, 10 seconds, boom. Push you, grab your shirt, push you back, ended, separate, go different ways. Whoa, hey, bro, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that that from me, obviously. So we leave the uh, private investigator thing and... <laughs> NJ Advanced Media writes a story. James Cratch, who's then working with uh, Dan Duggan on the story, writes a story. You know that they that security came to meet with us, and it's I think it had it was sourced like source said basically sources is Dan Duggan who is part part of the interview. It says you know they met with Dan Duggan and Jordan Ronan, and like according to source, which obviously is Dan Duggan because he was part of the interview with the private investigator so we move on and let me just tell you this the relationship with eric flowers never blossomed as surprising as that may sound never blossomed we never became friends we never really had conversations uh i think he's answered my questions a couple times in like groups like group settings we know we both kind of just went on our own way and he's had his trouble along the way. And you know what? The ironic part about the whole thing is that I would say this, that the pushing incident might have been the best thing Eric Flowers did because in a way, every I saw him struggling. I saw him struggling so many times. But I didn't – I almost had to be careful because if I just continually said this guy's playing terrible and doing this and giving up sacks and, and continually – or continually bringing about the bad things that were happening to him, or just bringing them up constantly, then people can sit there and be like, oh, you're picking on him. He's doing this because he pushed you. So I almost had to be hesitant or careful about being critical of Eric Flowers. And even in in training camp last year, so 17. Before that, Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart, they stay and work out by themselves together at the Giants facility all summer. And everybody's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, they worked out together all summer. They've been around the facility all summer, which, by the way, is not necessarily a great thing because you can't go work out with coaches. So basically, you're using their gym for free. You're not getting in work to work on your technique and stuff with a coach or anything. You know, a lot of guys go and work with private coaches. 
for that reason because that's the only way to get that kind of work from people who can help you with technique and football stuff and run you through football drills. And uh, the Giants keep pushing this. And all the the Giants-friendly media, the people that are out there, you know, people who work for the team and this and that, they're also out there. You know, Eric Flowers, you know, he's, he were him and Bobby Hart. They worked hard this summer. They 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 recommitted themselves, and uh, they look great in training camp. And people are going. And I'm watching training camp, right? And I'm watching Olivier Vernon just demolish Flowers on a daily basis. And I'm sitting there like biting my tongue because I I don't want to sit there every day and be like, Flowers is struggling really badly. He doesn't look any different. So I have to pick. I'm picking my spots. And I think I waited until the end of training camp to be like, this is still going to be a disaster. And people get on me. They're like, you're just picking on him again every time. You're just picking on him. It's weird because when I, when I, when they want him to be, wanted him to be good, anything I said, people would come at me and be like, you're, you're just picking on him because he pushed you. And then the second he gave up a sack or played poorly in a game, if you looked at my Twitter timeline, the comments just, you know, just come down my Twitter time like you wouldn't believe. Like unprompted. People just coming at me. Can you get Flowers to push you again after the game? Come on. Can you do something? Like, you know, Flowers push on you is the only time he got his hands on anybody in his football career. Like, these are the things that are showing up on my Twitter timeline every time something with Flowers, happened with Flowers in a game. Nonstop. Over and over and over again. So now, this is the end of the Eric Flowers regime. Or tenure. It lasted probably longer than it should have. Right? So now we could put this in the past. Maybe my timeline now won't have people coming out of nowhere with a hundred Eric Flowers comments in a row. Finally, it appears we can move on from that. He had lost his starting job already. But now, they actually got rid of him. And it wasn't really... A specific episode at this point that happened. But the Giants knew. The new regime, Dave Gettleman came. He tried to make it work. He knew everything that happened in the past. They all, the, the, the team and the players, they thought he bailed on last season's week 17 game. Him and Bobby Hart went and said, nah, we can't play this week. They had played the previous week. You know, they were dealing with stuff like injury wise, but they had played through it and they got to week 17 and one of the players, in the locker room, told me at the time, he's like, "Yo, uh, yeah, the, those guys, they've they've thrown it and thrown it in the towel, packed their bag for like the last two or three weeks, and then two or two days later, you hear about they had asked out of the game, and that Hart then got cut, Flowers got benched or whatever. He didn't dress at all." He says it was because of injury. There's definitely people in the organization and people, a lot of people in that locker room that think he really just didn't want to play in that finale. And yet the Giants brought him back for another year. And he was already an outcast in that locker room for most of the locker room. Him and Bobby Hart were outcasts in that offensive line room for most of their, what, was it 15, 16, 17? Three years there together. I mean, they, the offensive line room used to do stuff together all the time. They used to go to movies, dinners. And the whole offensive line would go, except for Bobby Hart and Eric Flowers. I mean, there was a time, I, I believe the story goes that somebody told me, is they went out for their end-of-the-season dinner. 
I think they were rookies at the time, the two of them. So must have been 2015. They all going out. They're all going out to dinner with Eli Manning, right? The quarterback's coming with them. The offensive line and the quarterback and the rookies. Two rookie offensive linemen bail on the offensive line dinner to go out to the wide receiver dinner. And if you ever, if you know anything about offensive line rooms, that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, hold up well. That's not, that's not accepted in the offensive line room. Offensive linemen are close. They're a tight knit group usually. You don't ditch the offensive line dinner to go to the wide receiver dinner. That's a big no-no in an NFL locker room or really any football locker room. And like there were things like, they did a secret Santa, and they were such not a part of the group, Heart and Flowers, that they weren't even part of the secret Santa that the Giants offensive line used to have together. So you put all these things together. They get to the point Eric Flowers isn't starting this year. They benched him in favor of Chad Wheeler. Now they've seen, okay, at least we feel comfortable that Wheeler can be better than Flowers on the field. It's time to move on. This guy, he hasn't taken that well to learning the technique or teaching or all, you know, he's gone through three coaches. They've had three offensive line coaches and some really proven long guys who've been around the league long time and it wasn't able to get through to him. Me personally, I don't think I, I, I look at him and I see him just running. I used to see him running around at times. The instincts just didn't look to be there. Doesn't have great football instincts. And to me, I think that was his number one problem. His football instincts, they just weren't there. He didn't want to take instruction. And finally, the Giants said, all right, it's time to move on. And uh, Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman, they tried to make it work with him at right tackle. They Look, the Giants paid a record amount to Nate Solder at the time to make sure that Eric Flowers didn't play left tackle. So they knew what they were getting with him. They just wanted to try and make it work because his contract was guaranteed. He was still on that rookie deal. So they were going to have to pay him regardless. So they're like, let's try and get something out of it. Now, I believe their mistake was, okay, we didn't really get a full contingency plan. Like, what was their contingency plan? They were praying that Chad Wheeler, who's an undrafted rookie last year, would develop into a, a starter. Maybe he will. Into a quality starter. Maybe he will. But... I mean, Chad Wheeler went in there last year, played games last year. The idea that he made his first start earlier this year is kind of silly. Got played four or five, started four or five games last year. I don't remember the exact number. And it wasn't, there was some struggles. He did some good things, but there was some struggles, especially in pass protection. It was one game where Ryan Kerrigan uh, got him a couple times. But the Giants realized that, okay, they're better off right now with Chad Wheeler as the starting right tackle. Brian Mahalik, who's been in the league a little bit, been on a couple teams. They brought him up from the practice squad with him as the swing tackle, and Eric Flowers just off the roster. No reason to keep him around any longer. And that, my friends, put an end to the relationship between myself and Eric Flowers and the Giants and Eric Flowers. And so we could all move on from this. The pushing, a thing of the past. Eric Flowers' Giants career, also a thing of the past. Which, to be honest with you, from what I could tell, Giants fans are kind of pleased about. They had kind of had enough of seeing Eric Flowers on the roster. So nobody seems all that disappointed, and we move on. And with that, 
That's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. Feel free to reach out to me anytime. Got Instagram, Twitter, email, um, Facebook, you name it. I'm always available. So we'll be back next week with another episode. We'll actually talk about the Giants team this year, which hopefully means something. I mean, if they win this week, maybe, maybe the games will mean something. You know, if they could get out of this two and four, I know that sounds bad and it is bad, but the NFC East is also bad. So maybe, maybe we can get back to football stuff. Otherwise, I don't know. I'll be free, be here for you anyway. Until then, see you next time. Hey.